This is the tale of a woman who went to the front lines of war in search of her estranged husband. She disguised herself as a man and she fought side by side with the other soldiers. But once she tasted battle, it was all she ever wanted. This is the story of Christian Davis. Yeah, we got a we got a gift yesterday of a bottle of whiskey um, as a thank you for all the work we've done, the chauffeury work for the past like year and a half. So it's 2004 Middleton, very rare. And like it's at least 700 euro for the bottle. So we, we can't decide whether to keep it or to sell it or drink it. Do you reckon you'd notice the difference between a 700 euro bottle of whiskey and a hundred quid bottle of whiskey? Nope. So I would say sell it and then buy a hundred quid bottle of whiskey, which is still more than you'd spend, but you'd be up 600 quid. Yeah, but then like, what about keeping it for like 10 years and then it becomes a, you know, mad. Yeah, but you'll never, yeah, you'll never have the chance to kind of drink a whole bottle of a 700 euro bottle of whiskey. True. Every sip is like 50 quid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Or so you thinking it could be an investment, like uh, you'll just keep it. Well, yeah, well, that's what Dad was saying. Like, it's funny because Middleton is Jameson somehow or Jameson bought them or something. So on the, bo- on the inside of the bottle, there's like a little piece of paper that says, we would like to welcome you into Jameson Distillery where you can sign um, sign the book stating that you own this particular bottle. Like it's <laughs> it's like a, and that's like a special part of the distillery. It's not like the guest book or the visitor's book or whatever. Did you hear about that? Um... I think he's an English guy, but his son, like he thought it'd be cool to buy his son a 21-year-old bottle of whiskey every year until he's 21. And so he bought every, like the kid was for his first birthday, he got like a, I don't know, 1995 or whatever bottle of whiskey. And next year got him a 96 from, yeah, 21 years before. And then your the kid kept them as a big collection and sold them all to put a deposit down in a house. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but there's a, there's an argument for both. There's an argument for drinking it and just appreciating it because we'd never have that ourselves. But there's also an argument for selling it and then buying a 100 euro bottle of whiskey, which is still more than we'd ever spend on a bottle of whiskey. Because I just I, I I don't know. Would we appreciate? Would you appreciate a 700 euro whiskey over a 20 euro bottle? Like, well, you'll you... never know if you don't drink it. And you have to drink it within seven days. Once it's open, it has to be drank within seven days. Oh, fuck that. You're not going to drink seven... Like, you're going to neck it. No, I mean, like three people with a good whiskey. That could be gone in one session. Oh, yeah, you're right. Invite us over. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'll have Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah, Jameson and Coke. Middle, Middleton, very rare, 2004, with uh, Coke, please. Yeah. And a bit of sugar. Aldi, Aldi, Aldi Coke as well, non-brand. Oh, God. <laughs> So yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's uh, it's certainly an exciting thing to have. I'm not an expert on 700 euro whiskeys. My my whiskey range is usually like fucking Jameson or Powers or if I'm feeling a bit, you know, frisky, maybe fucking Bushmills, but that's about it. <laughs> Why is Bushmills frisky? It's, it's just frisky. One. It's just frisky. <laughs> <laughs> it's from the north. It's just it's an import. Frisky. I don't know. <laughs> I do like Bushmills a lot. I do like them. Now, the, the only thing I've really, like, I know Powers. I felt drinking Powers neat. I was like, this is coarse. And then it got fine after, like, five of them. But I remember <laughs> the first four were, like, it was the first time I could really tell the taste of, like, this doesn't taste smooth, you know? Jameson, I don't mind. You know, yeah, I've even heard Conor McGregor's, uh, I, I wouldn't ever buy it just on humanitarian reasons. But I've even heard his whiskey is quite good, like... I've heard humanitarian. <laughs> yeah, humanitarian. But what's humanitarian about it? 
I don't want to give that prick money. The wealthiest oh. athlete in the world right now. <laughs> I'm not going to give him my hard-earned 29 <laughs> quid. No, but he um, that's just Bushmills. That's just Bushmills under a different name. Really? So it's, yeah, it's actually not that bad. Yeah, that's grand. What's the most expensive drink you've ever drank? Oh, I got a, I got a, like whiskey and coke in a nightclub in Las Vegas, and it was like sixty dollars or something. Sixty dollars? Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was, we went to one of these places, and it was like two of the girls that we were with were like, "Let's go!" and they walked in because girls get in free, and then we had to pay like thirty dollars in each. <laughs> they saw and, you coming oh wow. man and then we got in we were like oh we'll get a drink and I went first and I got a whiskey and coke and then <laughs> little lads like nah and there's those lads like sitting around in big booths with like yeah drinking like bottle service and stuff champagne or yeah balls of vodka oh, and stuff joke fucking hell so then the two girls kept going over to tables asking the American lads can we sit here and then like would get a drink and then run back if it does and go to another table. <laughs> okay, well, at least they'll be decent. <laughs> Sounds like you got, it out. you got really shunted walking in. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't great. What about you, Daz? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I remember paying a fortune for like a Long Island iced tea before. But I was 20 or something like that. And I was just like, fuck this. It was probably like 30 euro or something. I was like, this, is, this is bullshit. <laughs> I, I want a can of Bav. That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. My, yeah, my first week in Chicago, we went out to like, uh, what's it called? Not, tra- I, not Trader Joe's, Trader Todd's. And it was like a Hawaiian tiki team, themed bar. A tiki themed bar, that's a hard word to say. But um, but you could buy like margarita fish bowls and they were literal fish bowls for like 40 quid. And I was like, how am I going to drink that much? And like, it's just one of them and you'd be fucking wasted, absolutely wasted. So yeah, I guess there's degrees though, the fancy stuff versus the just expensive overpriced shite. Yeah. We are completely off topic. As anyway, usual. yeah, who, who are we doing? Uh, her name, Christian Davis. It feels like she didn't ever need to change her name. Because Christian could be either man or woman, male or female. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it started off as Christian Kit Kavanagh, no? No, that was, I think Kit Kavanagh was then her pseudonym. Or her, yeah. uh, what's the word? What's the word for like my, my secret name? Pseudonym. Yeah, okay, pseudonym. <laughs> Every single feckin' person we do has about seven different names. Yeah, like she had like six different surnames. She just changed. She did the classic of, oh, they kicked me out of the army. I'll just change my name and join back <laughs> in. Like it's just. But let's get into it then. Whereabouts are we talking here? We're around the 1700s, wasn't it, guys? Or the early, late 1600s? Yes. Yeah. She was born in 1667 in Dublin, but she lived in the outskirts. So in a county called Kildare and in Leakslip. And she was the daughter of a local brewer. Uh, which is quite funny because that's where Guinness was kind of based or that's where a lot of Guinness lands were where they grew for their all their hops yeah maybe I saw another source saying she was a Wicklow but I, I don't think that's where there's there isn't that many sources on this so I feel like the story has let itself kind of spread out a lot in all the various tellings so yeah I mean we, the 1600s yeah. is not the most documented time and especially women around them wouldn't have been of note there was a biography though, wasn't there? Or some sort of biography. Yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that at the end because that's got its own interesting story. Yeah, but um, that's, that's where I think a lot of these sources are coming from as well. But one mm. thing I found though when I was looking up her early life, as she was growing up, she favoured manly employments such as handling a rake, flail, pitchfork and riding horses bareback. Yeah, she broke in horses on the on the farm. And then I also saw she got in a bit of trouble. She stabbed a police officer in the leg. So really? she, she was, yeah, she was able to handle herself. Yeah, yeah she's she, rowdy. 
And I have another quote from her, which from the book that says, by inclinations, while a girl, were always masculine. Masculine. <laughs> so she kind of aired, she, I'd say she'd be called a tomboy in today's yeah. uh, vernacular. Her family were president, but her father actually fought for King James II, who was a Catholic, which was quite bizarre. Um, and he fought for them in the Battle of Ockram, where he died. And because King James lost his battle, their lands were taken off them. So they went from quite a wealthy kind of, yeah, wealthy enough family to then having nothing really. Oh, jeez. And it, yeah, it gets, it's pretty bad for like teenage years are quite bad. Um, it, it's a funny way that how, how this is quoted or how this is said, but she was involved with a relative of her mother's. And that's rumored to be her mother's first cousin or her first cousin. I wasn't too sure. But she was getting like jiggy with her. They were seduced, but then, yeah, there's there's kind of a mixed mixed bag there. So she describes it as he made warm love to me, oh, but then it, that's <laughs> yeah, but then it seemed to go too far, and she tries. She's like, okay, well, this isn't going nowhere. I don't want any more of this. And he was madly in love with her, mad, just wanted to be with her, and he forced himself upon her. I guess this would be if it was her mother's cousin. I'm assuming that'd be some relation of hers then, too once removed yeah that's i'm not too sure if it's her yeah i'm not too sure if it's her first cousin or her mother's first cousin but either way too close yeah yeah, yeah. oh jesus absolutely to be to making warm love <laughs> yeah to make it any temperature of love down uh, <laughs> yeah. my uncle once said that the honda 50 uh, did like the motorbike did more for ireland's gene pool than anything ever just like, like you were able to go further than the next crossroads you could go like two towns over oh i thought you meant like boy racers killing themselves okay that makes oh. more sense yeah <laughs> no it's a honda 50 it barely goes faster, You're not going than that faster. <laughs> but like he was just like oh geez it was amazing you could get one you, you could go geez you could go to dundalk which is like 15 <laughs> minutes away now <laughs> well that's an interesting point it's, it probably has some sort of semblance of um you know the advent of transportation probably did mi mix up the gene pool a little bit yeah Back to Kit, anyway. So, are we going to call her Kit then? Yeah, because Christian. Yeah, maybe we should clear this up because there's a couple. Yeah, there's Christian, there's Kit, and also I think we need to probably say that while she is going to dress as a man and act like a man, she still identifies as a woman. So I think we're okay with saying she and her and all that. So I think we're safe there. Back to the story. Yeah. So Kit, um, after the advances of the first cousin, she fled to Dublin um, and she lived with an aunt. The aunt owned a pub and Kit worked there for four years before the aunt eventually passed away and left the entire estate to, to Kit. Okay. So not, not a bad, not necessarily rags to riches, but like she she's doing pretty well then by this stage. Rags to glass cleaning rags. But yeah, I guess so. But she had a few people working for her. And one of them is Richard Welch or w Walsh. It, again, not too sure of his name. We'll call him Welch, I guess, will we? Yeah, it sounds more offensive. Welsh, yeah. He sounds like a bit of a Welcher, so I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he, he was a servant or a waiter in the pub. And himself and Kit kind of hit it off. Again, it's a bit of a funny one. I think she fancied him a bit more he wasn't too keen and she went up to her friend and told her to stick, go to Richard to say can you ask him to marry me please uh, a bit like the kind of will you shift my mate <laughs> <laughs> holy yeah. shit imagine what life was like if someone walked up to you and said excuse me do you want to do I marry my friend it's so bizarre to think about 
but it even makes it worse because she just told him no then <laughs> she just like played hard to get <laughs> wow so in this book she's just like yeah i told him no but i was so flattered and happy that he asked <laughs> i'm assuming it eventually worked out for them yeah she yeah she was delighted and yeah she she then they had two kids and this is i guess where it gets a bit uh funny uh, when she was pregnant with the third uh, Richard just disappears. And this is 1691. So she is 23, I think. Oh, ancient mm. by those mm. standards. Yeah, in the 1700s, she's a middle-aged. Yeah, well, what, what I have here is that Welsh went to pay a bill and never came back. You know, then the plot kind of thickens. <laughs> yeah, so as you said, Richard went out. I, I guess he was out buying some cigarettes or something. I don't know. Met a friend, bumped into a friend. Uh, so it's what I've heard. And he just got drunk and ended up on a ship going to the Netherlands. And he had no money. Yeah. No so money, nothing. Money. Um, yeah. And a kid didn't hear from him for over a year. She went out looking for him. She wasn't sleeping. She wasn't eating well. Eventually, a year later, she gets a letter saying, sorry about that. I got drunk with a friend and I ended up on a boat to the Netherlands and I had no way back. So I had to join the British Army and I hoped that the thing was going to end quickly but it ended up being the nine years war so <laughs> whoops it's kind of a good thing to say though where like you know this sounds like a very unfortunate event but also like if he kind of wants out of the relationship this is a fairly massive get out of jail free card yeah yeah but imagine the fear of waking up on a boat to the netherlands with the british army <laughs> I, like, but I, I, yeah i wonder were, were the were they just kind of going around pubs picking up shit-faced people and going oh come back here we have somewhere for you to sleep and then you wake up after because mm. you know there's no there's no drunk well maybe there was a drunk notion that took him and was like oh I should I should enlist tonight tonight's the night there was people like there's there's speculation that he was conscripted or he volunteered like he voluntarily got on that or someone just kind of yeah dragged him on a ship so yeah, they, no one really but, knows yeah what he told Kit though he, he was drunk and he, he didn't know how he got there and that was it yeah. but he also claimed that he did write letters before then and they just weren't delivered mm. and this was the twelfth one he sent, and that was that one just somehow got there. So, yeah, the the Nine Years' War was mad. The one that he went off to. Sorry, join. what country is, the, is that in Spain or the Netherlands? Uh, the Netherlands. So it started in the Netherlands, or that's where he started, and it was against the French. Yeah, but the fact when you said Spain, that's interesting because they said that one of the things I was really confused on. I was like, okay, the Nine Years' War. I don't know anything about that, and. Below the Netherlands, the country that's below the Netherlands, below well, I suppose it was the Dutch. Dutch Empire at the time is called the Spanish Netherlands. Well, Spain owned that area, which is really confusing. So, like, yeah, it that. was like a France sandwich with Spain as the bread. But it was it was a mad war. It was basically France was was the dominant kind of uh, force in Europe at the time, and they were trying to expand outwards and trying to get, I mean, Liebling's Rome, whatever you want to call it. Lame but it was down. against, right? <laughs> it was France versus yeah. a coalition, which mainly included the Holy Roman Empire, the Dutch Republic, England, Spain, Savoy, and Portugal. So, yeah, I didn't know what the Holy Roman Empire was, what the Dutch Republic was, what the Savoy was. So it was, yeah, I went down a rabbit hole of stuff that's definitely not relevant. But basically, there's like loads of countries against france who were really successful at the time and kind of the big empire but yeah but spanish were quite big as well they would have had all south america central america all there so i mean mm. they had a massive empire as well yeah but the nine years war expanded out like all around the world because of that because 
England, France, mm. um, the Dutch, and Spain had these empires all over the world. They were having like scraps in the Caribbean, out in like the the Far East, as they called it. Um, and it was just it's just, he went all over the place, um, and it was insane. It even came it came to Ireland. So part of the Nine Years' War was the Jacobite Williamite War, which included the Battle of the Boyne. So which is like James II and William of Orange. Like it was huge, like all over the place. Almost like kind of like a pre, well, a Europe. I don't want to say World War, but like a Europe war. It was I guess. a full-on World War. Like it was in uh, America. It was against. It was all the colonies, but they were like, fighting this fight all over the world. Um, and anyway, it came. It kind of came to an end. Um, peace negotiations led to France pretty much becoming what we know today, um, and it led to England solidifying control over Scotland and Ireland. Also, them having the best navy, and this peace treaty lasted about three years when the Spanish king died, and then everyone went mad for the Spanish War of Succession, which we also get into a bit later. Oh, Jesus. So it was war into war into war, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Classic Europe, really. (laughs) So we should chuck it back to Kit a little bit, um, because I think in most stories... You know, the husband goes off and then she kind of just moves on. And no, she was very determined, actually. She decided to steal her... Well, not steal, I guess. She took her husband's clothes. She put them on. um, And she dumped her kids with her mother. And she decided to go in search of her husband while pretending to be a man and enlisting in the British Army as well. So quite a radical move, to be honest. I love that. Like, was I wonder was that her first port of call? Like, did she think, oh, maybe I can, you know, write a letter to her, his, his... The British Army or something, or can I contact them? She was like, no, no, I'll join and go get him. Well, I, I think it's like, as we'll kind of go into it, it seems like she really likes war. It seems like she really wanted to take part in this kind of heroic thing or whatever. Mm. So that's kind of my vibe on it, but I'm not too sure. So anyway, the first time she was in war, uh, and there's a few of them, so it gets a bit complicated, but she was in the, in the Netherlands for the Nine Year War. But then that went badly for her because there was a sergeant who sexually assaulted a woman and she jumped to the the defense of the woman and she dueled with the sergeant and won. But because she dueled with the sergeant, she was then booted out. She was dishonorably discharged or whatever today's equivalent is. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the end of her first uh, term. But during this time, like nobody knew she was a woman dressed in man's clothing. Like they called her, I think there's a word for she was the attractive soldier, (laughs) but they just thought of the pretty dragoon. Yeah, the pretty yeah. dragoon. Well, that was a, later. That was great when... name for a band. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have a counter? Like Ushin says, "Great name for a band." Ding. The pretty dragoons. That's a really good. Yeah, name. but that was actually later. So she wasn't a dragoon yet. The dragoon was later Are on. Sure. I th- okay. I think that that was in the Spanish War of Succession. I, I have that she was wounded in her very first battle. She recovered fairly quickly, and about two, three months after that, then she was captured by the French uh, who kept her for nine days along with 50 odd other soldiers and they were exchanged after nine days. Oh wow. Must be tough pretending to be like a man all the time in close quarters like I'm thinking of peeing. There, she had a, a thing about this when she was peeing she had a, a pipe and a leather strap thing that she <laughs> used. A bit like an early shiwi. Yeah it was a, sil- a silver tube and with leather straps yeah. <laughs> Fair play for yeah. yeah, I wonder did she did she go for like a big dick? Did she get like a huge thing to be like yeah, to like intimidate? 
or else did she just want to be modest and just like, yeah, I probably, don't want yeah. to draw attention to me. Yeah, I'd imagine that. I doubt she was thinking of girth. Like, how can I have the girthiest <laughs> fake cock? Like, like a Pringles tube. Didn't think I'd be saying that sentence today. Um, I, I did find a really good a really good joke, I guess. I don't know, was this the first war or the second war? But like, there was a um, there was an instance in which a prostitute claimed that she, she was the father of her baby. And mm. Kit really liked that. So Kit was basically just like, oh, she let the rumor perpetuate itself because it just helped solidify the fact that she was, you know, a man. She's like, well, if, yeah. so it worked for it. But I, the poor prostitute, she was like determined to try and not get some sort of support. She was like, you are preaching to the worst possible of all the soldiers you could have picked. You're preaching to the absolute worst one. But she paid child support though, didn't she? Yeah, she did pay an allowance, yeah. No way, right? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, because wow. she wants to, this is like a perfect cover story for her. Makes sense. But it was even more perfect for Kit was that the poor child passed away after a month. So she didn't have to pay for allowance for much longer. And she seemed to be quite happy with that, which doesn't make her a nice person. Ooh. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. 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 But, and, and there's loads of other accounts, though. Like she really enjoyed the being a man, I guess, or pretending to be a man. So she, as we said, she peed like a man. She ate and drank like a man. And she used to hit on women as well. Um, right. And yeah, yeah. So she'd use the same pickup lines that were used on her and she'd be just like, oh, let's see how that happens. And women would fall for her. <laughs> to, to be honest, like reading about this, it, a part of me does kind of think to myself, like, was was she just gay at a time when you couldn't really be gay? Yeah, maybe well, bi or something. She did go but, yeah, to war that's... to get her husband. Yeah, she could have been bi. But yeah, she did go to war to get her husband back. But did she go to the war to get her husband or did she go to war because she wanted war? She wants to fight. Yeah. Do we know what happened to her kids that she left with her parents? One of them was actually, one of them passed away at a young age. Um, so she only she only left two behind, which was nicer. Um, and one was left with a nurse and then one was left with her mother. And I know the eldest passed away when they were 18. And then the other one was left in a workhouse. And when, yeah, she was just left there. Hey. No, I was going to say that comes back to haunt us, or it comes back a bit more when Kit goes back to Ireland and then she was like, oh, yeah, I don't want my kids. And she never went to see them. And then she just went back to war. So when she, this was so after the nine years war ended. So she, hang on, hang on, because I'm, I'm confused here. So she got discharged for fighting for dueling with the sergeant, yeah. For dueling with the sergeant, and then she re-enlisted, right? Yeah, and she re-enlisted with the North Royal British Dragoons in 1697. Right. And this is when she became a dragoon, which... Does anyone know what a dragoon is? Mounted means on a horse. Oh, cool. <laughs> Do you think it was a dragon? <laughs> I don't know, I just had no idea what it was. That was a funny name. It just means mounted, so cavalry unit, I guess. Yeah. So it was probably then when she was referred to as, what you call it, Dara? The pretty one? Pretty dragoon, yeah. Okay. It is a great name for a band. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so now, folks, here's where it gets complicated. Was it in this time or was it the next time then where she finally found her fella? It was the next time. So she didn't find him all through, like a couple of years went by. Then there's three year gap between the war. And does this when you said she came back to Ireland, was it? Yeah, she went back to Ireland and stayed dressed as a man for like while she was there. And I think she went back to go to her kids and then she was like nah fuck that and then just didn't and then went back fighting right. wars yeah and she went yeah. in with the north scots wasn't it or was it the great scots or did you say great scott what am i talking about <laughs> it's the something scots uh the the scots grays 
Yes, yes. So then she joined with the Scots Greys. So this would be the third, the third time she's enlisting now. And it was while she was with them. So it was 13 years after she initially went in search of her husband. She found him among the French prisoners after a battle. I have it here, the Battle of Blenheim. So um, did yeah. they run into each other's arms and hug and kiss? So actually, before you get into that, it's kind of a cool story. So again, this Europe being a clusterfuck of wars at the time, the Spanish War of Succession after uh, the Spanish King died. So she was involved in a battle in the Spanish Civil War of Succession where France was attacking Vienna. But she got a musket ball in her thigh. And then two months later, she was like back in another battle in the Battle of Blenheim. Oh, that's the one where she met her husband, yeah. Yeah, so afterwards she was assigned to watch over some French prisoners, and then she found a private in the 1st Regiment of Foot who was chatting up a Dutch girl, apparently, and then she realised that the private was her husband. Ooh. Yeah, and I the sources I had was that he was in a relationship with her, so it's obviously some something along that lines that he has long forgotten about his wife. At this yeah. Stage. On my side of things, anyway, um, so yeah, it sounds like they fought, but then Kit decided not to take her husband back. I did see some other sources that said they did go back together, so I'm not sure. What did you guys find? Did they get back together or did they stay apart? No, so what I found was that she wouldn't because he wasn't loyal and she had, by all reports, had been loyal. But again, most of our reports come from her account, yeah. yeah. She did father a baby with a prostitute. Don't forget that. <laughs> That's very true, yeah. Yeah, I have it that they didn't get back together and she wasn't too pleased but they went on pretending that they were brother and sister because that was how she told people or that that's exactly what she was telling people why she joined the army that she was looking for her well, brother not brother and sister but they, they yeah one of the sources i have says that they fought as brothers side by side afterwards mm-hmm. so brother and brother yeah so she so according to her she had been faithful to him but he hadn't and when kit found out that he was seeing a woman she went, found the woman, and cut her nose off. Oh, yeah. Again, this is probably her account, so it could be madly embellished. But, um, yeah, but I feel like if you're going to tell a story about yourself, you don't include a detail about you cutting someone's nose off. Kind of makes it sound like a badass, no? I feel like it's not the woman's fault. Like, cut his nose off. Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah, and maybe it just it shows that she cares nearly. It's kind of, you know, maybe it's not even real. Maybe she just didn't do anything, and she just wants to pretend that she did cut off someone's nose as if she was angry, but, you know, nobody will ever know. I'm cutting your nose off because I care. Just remember that. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Hey. But she cares about her husband, that's why. Platonically, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? It is a complicated one. Well, yeah, so, yeah, it seemed that she did, but and they were quite close afterwards, and he did agree to keep her secret, so she was able to keep, like, fighting for a while. Yeah. Now it gets again. It gets a little bit complicated. But overall, during her military career, she had three, I think, quite significant injuries. So one was to, I think, the leg. One was to the thigh, and then the one that was most damning that fucked up her military career was she got hit with the shrapnel from a shell in the skull, and she fractured her skull. And it was during this period where doctors were operating on her, basically, that they found out that uh, she was in fact a lady and not a man. So she was officially outed. Yeah, and at this time she was going under the name of Christopher Welsh, uh, as in like the brother of her husband. The surgeon discovered it and like the story like went like wildfire through the cavalry. Um, but the Scots Grey Brigade commander heard the whole story from, from Kit and he discharged her 
uh, but ordered that pay, her pay be continued while she remained under the care of the army. So he was like, a woman can't be in the army, but that's pretty cool. Well, she was allowed to stay with the unit, but um, I have two different sources here, but it kind of one of them says that she was a cook. She stayed with the unit as a cook, so she couldn't be fighting, or as a sultress, which I'd never heard of before, which is like a kind of like a traveling merchant, essentially. Mm. A sultress so, sounds a lot sexier than a traveling merchant. It does, doesn't it? I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. Subtle, subtle rest. Yeah, sultress. No. Sultress. Yeah, it is a sultress, subtle, I think. That's a bizarre word. But then there's other stories that say she was given these nominal titles, but in reality, she was still fighting on the front lines with her companions. So. Yeah, I saw that. But a lot of a couple of the sources I said were, is really doubtful that she was allowed to continue fighting. Yeah, who, who knows? Who knows? Again, we're kind of operating on one main source and then the tendrils of lots of other ones that come out of it. So it's a little complicated. Yeah. After she was found out and she was continuing in the army in some capacity, her husband did continue to fight, uh, but in 1709, uh, he died in battle. And if we were ever in any doubt that she did actually really care about him, she spent the next day searching for his body uh, so she could bury it. And it's said that she turned over about 200 corpses to find the body amongst the battle, which, yeah. So I, there was there was something there. There was some sentence. I mean, there has to be a lot there to do that. Yeah, like I just can I can't imagine how horrible and disgusting a battlefield is. Yeah, if you died in war, Connor, I'd only turn over about fifty corpses, and then I get. Would you not do that for Gina, though? <laughs> I can't imagine a situation where Gina would be in a war. <laughs> Why not you? <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine me either, but I especially can't imagine her. Uh, she got really angry at me the other day because there was uh, a fly in the van, and I killed it. And she got really angry at me because she didn't like me killing this. It wasn't even fly. It was little midgy flies. A midge. Yeah, kill it with fire. <laughs> after he, after her husband died, she became involved with Captain Ross of the Scots Greys. And the whole unit started to call her Mother Ross, which is another name she kind of went by. Uh, but she didn't marry him. She married another dragoon who died three months after they married. So her marriage record isn't great by no fault of her own well I, I don't know if she was called mother ross she might not have been involved in that sense you know I, I i don't necessarily think she was romantically involved with him i think they had some connection of some sort but she was definitely married to the guy who died okay i i just i, I saw that he, it, she was involved but that would make sense if she was just part of the unit and yeah mother ross doesn't scream like they're boning yeah true. <laughs> just doesn't really have that ring to it, it was the know? early 1700s though i don't know it wasn't your man Captain Ross that was calling her mother Ross. It was the the whole battalion were. Yeah, because it is actually military tradition tradition to call your captain daddy. So that's fair enough. Are you serious? No. Okay, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? What sort of fucking military are you in calling? Oh, daddy. <laughs> fucking sexual weird shit. It gives drill sergeant a different meaning, doesn't it? Uh. <laughs> so where in the world is Kit? Kit is on husband number two. She's on husband number two, who dies after three months. And then 1712, the Spanish War was winding down. So she was sent home uh, with a, a big group of the troops. Yeah, and she came back to... It wasn't Dublin. She went back to England, I think, is where, where I found. But um, her notoriety was kind of gained the attention of... I guess it was just a media uh, circus or whatever. Whatever the t at the time you'd call that. But Queen Anne took notice. So the Queen of England at the time and granted her a bounty of £50, as well as a shilling a day 
as a pension for the rest of her life. 50 pounds seems like a lot. Well, the bounty was just like, well done for your service, I guess. So here's your dowry to buy a house and retire and blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, so the thing was she had difficulty adapting to her normal life. So she married a third soldier. Um, and I've heard his name was Davies. So was he Davies Davis? But anyway, she married a third soldier named Davies and she went back. She kind of was like a groupie, except instead of following around bands, she followed around regiments uh, of soldiers. So she went with this Davies guy and she followed his regiment until he was admitted as a pensioner into Chelsea Hospital. And that's where she went as well. Was that the one that was a drinker and, you know, he used to, he didn't make too much money, but he used to drink loads? I didn't see that. But probably, yeah, that's what sure. I saw. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, t- well, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Because I think so, they opened, they opened up a new pub in Dublin though, didn't they? Uh, she came back to Dublin. And yeah. They she opened, opened up, up a new pub. pub oh, briefly. I didn't see that. No, no, no. Yeah. I just saw them over in Chelsea Hospital. Yeah, no, they opened a pub briefly, but they tried it for a couple of years and then were like, fuck this. Because he was a soldier as well. So yeah. they, neither of them were really like suited to civilian life, I guess. So then after the pub in Dublin, where did they end up? I'm curious. Did he get admitted to the hospital as a pensioner or did they go back to the... No, they kind of lived off. So the pension and then they also had this kind of celebrity status. So they would have they would have gone through like different jobs amongst like military groups um, using that status as, as a way to make money. Wow, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I looked it up. 50 pounds is about 5,000 pounds. So not set your life up amount of money. Okay. Yeah. It's nine horses, 12 cows, and 84. <laughs> <For fuck's sake. laughs> nine horses would set your life up. If I bought nine, well, right now, if I bought nine horses, I don't know what I would do. I feel like it's a start of something. To be fair, that's 550 days of wages. So that's like two yeah, that's years good of wages. Scale. Yeah. Yeah, so it is good. Kit's life came to an end after a most adventurous life, which I like that quote. She died in 1739. And she was given a full military funeral with full honours um, in Chelsea Hospital Cemetery. Hmm. Yeah, it was kind of nice that they they still let her go into the Royal Hospital of Chelsea, which was mainly used for military um, soldiers, which was which was yeah. good. Weirdly enough, for a shitty patriarchal society, it sounds like she actually got kind of treated relatively well. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, all things considered, like yeah, full military honours is weird. I was trying to find out what that means. Gun salute. But it means in like so many different countries, it means different things, and I couldn't find what it meant in the 1700s. But a lot of the time, it'll mean they had a thing where they'd hold their guns backwards and stuff, which they, apparently they still do. And they'll do the in America they do this the beagle thing, you know, the salute thing <laughs> on the trumpet. <laughs> yeah, um, and they've got like a, a song they'll do at a particular time in it, and it's different type of salute. So it's a whole, and you get a flag over your coffin, and the military will all be there in their full military uniform and stuff. So she was recognized for the work she did for the, being a tireless fighter, I guess. She was, and she mm, lived you know. till uh, 72. Damn. Yeah. It's like a centurion in that time. Yeah. Uh, while she was in the nursing home or whatever you want to call it, she met Daniel Defoe, who was the writer of Robinson Crusoe. And he wrote a book about her. That's where she met her. Well, yeah, I've got a, I've got a couple of weird stuff about that. But ba- basically, the only thing I have is that a year after she died, a book was released. And the book was called The Life and Adventures of Mrs. Christian Davies, commonly called Mother Ross. But the book has been commonly attributed to Defoe. Hmm. Um, but I think historians as of late are now kind of saying that it probably wasn't him. So right now, that book kind of is author unknown because they reckon either she wrote it herself or he did the interviews with her, or it was just some third author completely who just embellished the fuck out of the story. 
So it's, and, and, and that's the primary source. And even that source itself is quite disputed. So it's quite hard to, hmm. to really know. Like, I think some of those stuff that we said, what was the one that I think is definitely full of shit? Maybe the nose cutting off stuff, I'd say, is probably embellishment. Hmm. And the 200 bodies. The Maybe. Bodies. Yeah. It was just two. Maybe it was like, ah, oh, there he is. Grand. <laughs> <laughs> that's himself. Give him a few kicks. Uh, to be fair, she was fairly practiced at searching for him at that stage. 13 <laughs> years looking for him. <laughs> Jesus, that's pure dedication, though. What sort of yeah. person would have gone that deep into the... He did least? say he sent her, like, 12 letters, though. So, I mean, what a year. Like, she needs yeah. to get a, she needs <laughs> yeah, to get a grip, like. real hard. But that being said, I, I had a friend who said he called me, like, 20 times over the past couple of months, and I know he didn't. So maybe he was just saying, this. oh, I've been sending you letters every week, and not one thing has gotten to you. Are <laughs> you okay? Me. Oshin, do you want to have a chat about that friend? No, or? I'll pull through, I'll pull through. <laughs> okay. Have you checked that he has your the right number, and he's not just calling them? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Sorry, Oshin, I'll call you properly next time. <laughs> Thanks, Daz. <laughs> Daz, you've gotten pretty good at replying, actually. I think I hope we haven't fucked you up. You, I think you used to be afraid of being on the phone, and you'd never have your phone with you, and now you're you're getting pretty good. Just when I'm working, <laughs> Turn, turns we, you into a phone addict. Weekends I'm terrible, but yeah, weekdays I'm okay. Whereas I'm like, it's unusual if I don't reply in ten seconds. Oh my god, is Oshin she, is she okay? <laughs> He's more than ten <laughs> meters away from his phone, guys. So that's the story of Christian Davis or Kit Kavna. What do we think? Or Mother Ross. Or Mother Ross. Or the or... beautiful beagle. What's it called? Uh... <laughs> the, pre the pretty dragoon. <laughs> the beautiful beagle. That's the name of a British pub, Connor. You're, you're, that's not my band name, okay? <laughs> or the name of your house. <laughs> yeah, the beautiful, well, the beautiful basset. You know, yeah, our house too, is a basset. Yeah. We, don't sorry, fucking, yeah, we don't mess with those fucking beagles. I kind of like this story because it has like all sorts of, it almost has a happy ending. Like, well, they always die because they're always old. But like, <laughs> Everyone no. dies. <laughs> yeah, but like a lot of our stories end and someone gets a really shitty life and then they're executed. She mm. kind of got recognized for what she did. Mm. She got to do what I think what she wanted to do was fight. I don't mm. necessarily think she was chasing her husband for true love per se. Mm. So yeah, this one kind of, I know yeah, this gives me kind of Grania Whale vibes, even though Grania Whale didn't exactly have the best ending, but it gives me that sort of vibes that they did and they prospered in what they wanted to do, you know? Yeah, if you forget about her kids, it was a grand old story. Yeah, I kept being that. I like as I was researching, I was like, "What happened to kids?" <laughs> just the fact oh, that she was don't, like, "Yeah, don't, men don't no. mention the kids." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's gonna. Just it's don't kinda, think kinda, about them. It's, it's kind of nice to do a story about a woman in history who wasn't just like a murderer or like a crazy person. It's no, like, but we were literally just talking about this in the Typhoid Mary story. That we're like, it'd be really nice to have a positive woman story mm. instead of one that's just you know someone who got a witch or a you know pirate or whatever so i think this this one kind of this one kind of captures it i guess yeah she's a bit of a beast bit of a beast dara heard final thoughts she's a bit of a beast <laughs> <laughs> oh oh so original so that's the story of kit kavanagh i hope you guys learned something i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did if you want to support the pod and also listen to an extra episode every month, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash out of Ireland. And if you don't fancy doing a monthly subscription or monthly donation, you can send us the price of a pint or a cup of coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash out of Ireland. Or you could give us a five out of five, uh, even if that's not what you really think. <laughs> 
or tell your friends who knows anything yeah, anything, anything works <laughs> anything goes uh, <laughs> big thanks to Jordan O'Leary for the theme song and I guess I'll see you next time <laughs> that's the story of, of fuck whatever her name is Kit Harrington no that's the Game of Thrones man fuck me and all of that daddy <laughs>